The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash podshock for your free audiobook download. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a cargo bay in the Starship Alaska, it's Doctor Who Podshock. It's Dr. Hugh Podchok. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Dr. Hugh Podchok, that is. And this is Louis Trapani. And joining me is Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hey, Louis. Uh, good to be here. And uh, nice to have you uh, back on a live show. Yeah, it's been a while. We were just talking off show, off, uh, you know, before we started that the last time we did a live review episode was for Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and we were reviewing Torchwood uh, Miracle Day, which was uh, last year already. I can't believe how much time, you know, it's already September now, so it's it's already been a year since um, our last, you know, because, the, you know, we didn't have Doctor Who start in the spring as it had normally, as it normally does in years past, so, um, you know... <laughs> We've been doing live shows, uh, live review, you know, we've been doing the live shows for reserve for the live review shows of episodes. So there hasn't been any th- uh, new Doctor Who to do a live show with. So if Lucy's voice sounds slightly different, he's inside a Dalek casing. So just be aware of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we had some, uh, some technical snafus. Hopefully that's behind us now. And uh, that's why we we're talking about how long it's been since we did a live show, because, um, Maybe things have gotten a little out of date since, uh, you know, software-wise since um, since our last live show, and um, and I know I know one piece of software that I use is definitely um, you know affected, which I'm using my iPad, um, you know, rigged into my setup now to um, compensate for that, but that wasn't the issue for connecting today. So um, so we're starting a little late, but we'll get right into our reviews, and also if I if I. <laughs> if I make more blunders than I normally do, please know that I'm, I'm working. I'm still working on um, from yesterday. I, have, I haven't slept at all. Uh, I just had a bout of insomnia. So I unfortunately, not for the lack of trying, I, I, I just couldn't get any sleep last night. So um, so I'm, I'm still here. I'm, I'm, I got some coffee in my system, even though now um, it's mostly gone. You know, I mostly drank it. So but we'll will forge ahead so uh, but before we do go ahead i do want to uh, remind everyone we are reviewing the first two episodes of the new series of doctor who which means there'll be spoilers you know uh, so if you have not seen the first two which is um we'll, we'll review them in order in order that is asylum of the daleks and uh, the second one is dinos- dinosaurs on a spaceship uh so if you haven't seen those you may want to um 
hold this podcast until you have, and this way, you know, we don't spoil anything for you because they, it's going to be impossible to, especially the first one. It's going to be impossible to talk about the first one without, you know, of you know, without getting into spoiler material if you haven't seen it yet. All right. So, um, but Dave, thank you so much for joining me. I know you just came off your show and it's been a long day for you. You've been doing Cultum Collective. I'm sure you probably just reviewed, I'm assuming you reviewed Dinosaurs in a Spaceship yourself right now. That's right. We, we were lucky enough to be able to do uh, them in the, uh, you know, last week. Uh, so we've done two, done that. That should probably already be up on the feeds. Um, with Ian the Sixth Doctor who apologises for not coming here he's got relatives coming around so that's why he's not come on your call now uh, but late tonight we'll be doing a commentary so a busy day indeed yes uh, especially for you since um, <laughs> you also have your, your video blog as well so um, if, if you, well that, that's you, that's been on hiatus now for it's a while taking a break at the moment okay. taking a break at the moment yeah, yeah. We're back, um, and Doctor Who's back, and it's not a moment too soon. Asylum of the Daleks was the first episode. Now, this one actually was debuted at the um, at the television festival in Ed- was it Edinburgh um, it, uh, about a, a week or so before it was transmitted. So, um, even though there's a lot of spoiler material in there, it was kept under wraps. So, you know, at least I. Didn't, I wasn't privy to any of that, um, you know, pri- I mean, I try to avoid spoilers whenever possible anyway, but I, I didn't see any spoilers Spoilers for this episode. <clears throat> it was screened in, in London at South Bank, uh, BFI, uh, British Film Institute, South Bank. Oh, yeah, the, uh, also, also in New York in as, Edinburgh as well. And in New York. Yeah, yeah. And Toronto. Oh, the, it was in Toronto as well? Okay, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, according to the wiki, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, so Doctor Who's back, and um, let's just before we get into the story, let's just go over some of the technicalities. It's um, directed by Nick Horan and written by Stephen Moffat, and it sports new titles in the opening credits. Uh, you know, new style of um, you know graphics that are used for the in the opening credits. So. Uh, which uh, I didn't have a problem. I, I didn't really have a problem with. Um, I, the Doctor Who logo itself, when it's, I, you know, I may not have gone exactly with that style, but the other titles, I, you know, I, I thought were fine. This is a wrinkle to that, in as much as the they're not set for the whole series, because again, if this is not too much of a spoiler for the second episode, uh, the the. Some of the actual text changes, so the text is going to be dependent on the story. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed that. I'm going to have to pay closer attention to that now. Something to uh, to look forward to. So, okay, all right. I'm going to because now the one I'm thinking about is you know in the Asylum of the Daleks, the Doctor Who logo has. Um, well, I guess well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really put it. I, did, I see when I first saw it, I didn't associate it with you know the Dalek balls or eggs or whatever you might want to call them <laughs> spheres uh bumps if we go back to the um that Ch- children in need special dalek bumps <clears throat> yeah now yeah. I, I i see it now so that's interesting now i'm gonna have to rewatch uh the beginning credits of um of dinosaurs on a spaceship to see if uh, how how that looks that's a good note there yeah 
All right. Well, um, uh, so, yeah. So Asylum of the Daleks. Now, as I said, spoiler alert. Um, I already said that. So from this point forward, there's going to be spoilers because um, it guest stars someone that um, a name that will be familiar to many Doctor Who fans because it's been in the news is um, the the actress that is playing the new companion after the Pons leave, which is uh, Jenna, Jenna Louise Coleman. Now, this was sort of a this was like sort of the big surprise because we all knew that she was coming. She was going to be introduced in the Christmas special. And here we are um, in, in this episode, we are treated to her. And myself, I've never seen her. I mean, I've seen pictures of her. I've never seen her act in anything. So I didn't know what she sounded like. So when I was watching this the first time, I'm like, oh, that actress looks so much like Jenna Louise Coleman to the point that it was a little distracting because I'm like it, well they can't be her because we know she's going to be introduced in the Christmas special so I'm like why did they cast someone that looks so much like her and to me it it was I don't know I, I, I kind of feel like I probably might have enjoyed it the first time a little bit more if I if that question wasn't distracting me it was like why you know I mean, it wasn't a deal breaker or anything like that, but it was just one of those little things that um, maybe, if, you know, if I had known she was going to be in it, I would have just accepted it and then move on. But it was in a tremendous coup that they, they kept that out of uh, general knowledge. I certainly was not aware of it. I'm sure there the, the might have been, but I mean, to say they had these public screenings, yeah. as far as I know, certainly on no, no official blog uh, article, was the information leaked that um, she'd be making this uh, appearance here. Of course, you could argue, well, it, she may not be playing the same character. I mean, whether the, whether she is or not. You well, know, that's the big question, isn't it? Not. Is, is, yeah. is, is, because, of course. Is, now, the character she's playing is Oswin Oswald, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so, we I mean, the new companion's name was never officially released, you know, before this episode. So, um, and if she is, if this character is the uh, the same one and the same, you know, of the new companion, that means are we being treated to something along the lines of what we had with River Song when we she was first introduced? We saw the end of River Song, really, you know, when she in that first episode. Well, it's not a spoiler now. It's years old now. You know, she dies in that episode. And then, you know, and then we see her again out of order in the Doctor's timeline. So um, I don't know if if, th if that's going to be the case, then if this is really the, the companion, then we know how she's going to end up, which means it might take away a little bit from further adventures because we know she's going to survive because we know how she really does end, you know. But I don't know, it's, um, you know, wibbly wobbly, timely wimbly, you know, they'll they'll get around that somehow. Well, well the, the story was actually, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it and whether we want to go into it here, but I mean, the the story ended with, if we can jump to the end and we're all spoilers here anyway, with the planet being destroyed. Yeah. I mean, the, the Doctor always says he can't go and intervene, intervene once a storyline has happened because he's been told before. Why can't you go back and just do that? But if if he actually went back to the split second that the planet was exploding, 
uh, and rescued her there. That would be possible. But, but it, it she's a Dalek now. But rescue her, she's no longer in yeah, human form. So That's true. Yeah. That's true. But um, we have had a case, and again, somebody mentioned it on the, uh, our show last week, that um, certainly in one of the big Finnish stories, we had one of the companions, uh, uh, Wild Time. Um, I'm very sorry, I should have checked this information, but one of the people appears as sort of a disembodied head in one of the audio stories. So um, well, we have had these things happen. Yeah. Well, why don't we, because um, you went through the effort of, of putting together some clips, and I, I do thank you for that, because I, I didn't have time to do that myself. So um, before we go any further, let's get a little taste of uh, Asylum of the Daleks. You have to sign these. And then we're not married. Just like magic. <laughs> How much trouble are we in? Out of ten. Eleven. Where are we? Spaceship, right? Not just any spaceship. The Parliament of the Daleks. You will save the Daleks! This signal is being received from the very heart of the asylum. that automatically process any organic matter, living or dead, into a Dalek puppet. <laughs> Anything attacks this place, it automatically becomes part of the on-site security. Living or dead? Yes, exactly. Living or... or... Dead. Oh, dear. Well, that's uh, Asylum of the Daleks. So uh, just to touch upon something that we, we heard in that clip there was, and we, we've already skipped the end, so we know, um, you know, the, we, we know the big reveal at the end, which I, I have to say that, um, and I, I don't blame the episode. There's, I don't think there's anything that the episode could have done to uh, differently, but for so I, I predicted that she was gonna be um, a Dalek and not know it. Not 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 necessarily a true form Dalek, but maybe one of those um, uh, converted humanoid um, Daleks, like a sleeper cell. Like because the first scene, which is pretty cool, we're we're, we're treated to Scaro again, which is uh, it was good to see. 
But that first scene is the doctor encounters someone that's um, sort of like um, a sleeper cell, a person that didn't even know uh, she was a, uh, a Dalek or a humanoid, whatever you want to call these humanoid Daleks. Um, you know, so it was, you know, then we were also, well, then we were almost immediately introduced to Oswin Oswald, and it just seemed, um, I don't know. It it just seemed like a concept that was being played out. That the cards were were revealed, even though they weren't. You know, it, in my head at least, I just figured that's where it was going. So um, I, I wish that wasn't the case because I kind of, you know, knew exactly what was going to happen, sort of. But anyway, but if she yeah. is um, a a um, if she's imagining everything, she you know she thinks she's still human. So her her whole existence of being human, um, the interior of the ship, um, uh, making souffles, all this is um, all self created in her imagination. She's dreaming. The doctor used the term dreaming. She's dreaming it up. So. What we heard in that clip, though, was uh, the music that she was listening to, which, uh, uh, of, you know, she had to be dreaming up as well. Yet she was able to transmit that, it, it, you know, create something that was only in her imagination, really, and make it into something where everyone was listening to on, on the Dalek ship. So it, it seemed like that was a little, um, I don't know, um, continuity problem or I don't know it just seemed um, a bug or uh, I don't know it just because how well, would she be able to go ahead I'm sorry just of it. no sorry my fault uh, I mean for instance when we when when we hear her talking uh, she hears, hears her voice and we hear her voice until later on when there's a big reveal so I mean she's got she's got um Abilities within that. I mean, the, one of the reasons why uh, she was converted because she was seemed to be a very intelligent person, and so she had some sort of interface there. It just wasn't her in her own yeah. body. Yeah. See, so, yeah, well, that's a good point was. because in the communication, like all the previous communications, the doctor and the companions are hearing her as a human, not and not speaking like a Dalek. So. Um, so that maybe that music is just part of that, where she's um, um, taking her imagined reality and making it into a real reality f uh, via communications. Okay, so well, th th right. th there we go. Uh, so it's interesting. What, I what, do think, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, what did you think of the, the, before we move to the main part of the story, what do you think about this whole parliament of the Daleks and the, this big, because a lot was made of this, you can see every different Dalek from every different thing. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it was reported. The, the, the vast scene. It was reported that the production had used whatever Daleks they could find, be it, you know, uh, if they could supplement Daleks from museums, from, you know, fan-created Daleks, um, wherever they could find them, they brought them in. Uh, that's um, from a reported news story or something like that. I, I had heard about that. So uh, it's it wasn't surprising only because uh, Stephen Moffat alluded to um, to it last year. She, he had said something, you know, when all this criticism about the Skittles Daleks was going on and uh, later on he had said that the Daleks would be returning, but there would be many Daleks and, and not just one type of Dalek. There'll be many types of Daleks, he had said. So um, it was a tip of a hat there by Stephen Moffat. 
you know, obviously I didn't know it was going to be. Um, at first, it reminded me of the Jedi um, um, council, not council, the, 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 <laughs> the Old Republic um, Senate, you know, scene. You know, it reminded me of that at first. Uh, I was expecting to see Jar Jar Binks. So, yeah, it's um, it, well. Th- that's another thing. To buy this story, we have to buy the fact that um, that the Daleks have this asylum planet, and um, you know they, they they try to explain it all that you know that hatred is something that they could not kill, and this is the reason why they kept these Daleks around. But I just find uh, I find that hard to believe, and it was a, a concept that was hard to. Um, to buy that the Daleks would actually, uh, they wouldn't just exterminate because you would think they would just exterminate anything that's not their ideal of perfection, which is, and you know, be, regardless if they have this pure hatred or not, they would just exterminate anything that wasn't up to their standards, including other Daleks. You know, we've seen other Dalek fractions fighting each other in the past, so it's not like you know, it's they hold other Daleks sacred because um, that's not the case. So, um, so that was a, you know, I mean, not again, it wasn't a deal breaker, but it was just difficult to buy that concept of the story where, um, there was, I think the difficulty was there were two, there were two things there. They were putting forward the fact that they were afraid to go down, but at the same time they were saying that they, they had a reverence for these people because they were, they were almost like, uh, sacred souls to them, uh, you know, fallen heroes as it were, but that doesn't, that doesn't gel well with past ones where we've had different mm. fractions of of uh, them fighting one another, uh, where they've had you know no mercy, where you know we are the superior Daleks, are you know um, Dan Ross's uh, Daleks fighting uh, is it the Imperial ones, and uh, so we have had these issues before. Exactly. I suppose yeah. it was just to set up the fact that uh, to force the Doctor into this predicament. Yeah, I mean that—that's all it was about, you know. And once we're there, you know, we can appreciate it and, um, you know, having it. But it was just—it was just a hard thing to buy in the first place, though, because I I just feel that Daleks would just exterminate anything that they felt was imperfect, you know, anything that was not up to their standards, including other Daleks. So, um, excuse me. Um, another another thing that was kind of hard to accept was that Amy and Rory would split up, and we learned the reason um, at the end was because of the fact that Amy can't have kids, and um, Rory, you know, she assumed that Rory always wanted to have kids, and so why not adopt? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like a silly way, silly reason to end a relationship. I mean, it's not the first time married couples had faced this issue and they if they, if they have this sincere love for each other they i i, I just i don't know it just well, it hadn't been flagged before that's the thing i think that most people have the issue with it hadn't been flagged uh, that rory was against having children and that it would be a deal breaker in their relationship um um again somebody said it wasn't me so i'm not claiming ownership uh, that in the um you know the, the one where they were in the um, in that village. You know the one mm-hmm. where Amy was pregnant. The, the one where yeah. they had the two realities. Mm-hmm. He seemed quite happy to be striking home to his pregnant wife. Yeah, yeah. I, so th- it's that you know I, again. You know I think they needed to, and also <clears throat> um, at the end, I'm still unsure whether or not 
um, Amy is being um, still being um, transformed. Are those micro um, bots still working on her, turning her into a Dalek? I mean, once they start, do, I mean, once she leaves the planet, do they stop? Or I, I, I'm unsure about that. Yes, there, was, there didn't seem to be any way of eradicating them, but um, again, uh, it, it was a little bit of a similar idea to the Vashti Narada, wasn't it, in terms of the uh, silence in the library and, and those sort of getting inside the space suits, space suits, space suits. Yeah, and um and and and, and it, you know well first of all i have to say that you know i enjoyed the story I, it sounds like a, you know every time we do these review shows it sounds like <laughs> i'm nitpicking so much that I, it sounds if you don't know any better you probably think i hate it all and it, it's i don't mean to come across that way but um I, you know it's just so that doctor who is something that you're passionate about so then you know every little thing you sort of like examine up close and all that and um maybe give it more weight than it really you know um needs or deserves or whatever um the the other thing that i i sort of had a, a slight issue was with the, the these humanoid daleks um i you know i understand that they're being taken over and they're being puppets of you know these either living or dead um matter is being taken over by the daleks and being used like puppets and all that but it, they didn't need to grow eye, metallic eye stalks, and and like I mean, it just seemed like that was a little bit over the top and unnecessary. But um, again, not a deal breaker, but just one of those things that I probably wouldn't have done if I was doing it myself. It just it didn't it seemed like unnecessary. Why would they, you know, waste all this energy and uh, you know creating these eye stalks when this, they have a pair of eyes, you know? It was just to kind of show the audience that these are, are Daleks. Yeah, I, th I think it's to show them as a, almost like fifth columnists. They were, they were a way of go, going in and uh, behaving like normal human beings, uh, gathering information, surveillance, and then when they actually were activated or controlled or whatever, uh, then this stalk came, presumably so that um, the, the main Daleks could sort of through their eyes, as it were. All right, well, let's play another clip and then we'll continue on. Scanning you. You're on another of the escape pods from the Alaska, right? Same ship I was on. How can you hack into everything? It should be impossible. You're in a crash ship. Long story. Is there a word for total screaming genies that sounds modest and a tad bit sexy? Doctor. You call me the doctor. See what you did there? Just flirting to keep you cheerful? What's going to happen to me? And don't why? Managers, you're being rewritten. Okay, you're safe for now. Pop your shirt off quick as you like. Why? Does there have to be a reason? Oswin, can you hear me? Hello, the chin. I have visual on you. Why don't I have a visual on you? Why can't I ever see you? Limited power, bad hair. Take your pick. There's a door to your left. Open it. I put your little friend somewhere safe. I can get you to him. Rory, you found Rory. I call him Nina. It's a personal thing. Hush now. Do you know how you make someone into a Dalek? Subtract love, add anger. Doesn't she seem a bit too angry to you? Well, somebody's never been to Scotland. What about you, though, Oswin? How come you're oh. okay? Why hasn't the nano cloud converted you? I mentioned the genius thing, yeah? Shielded in here. Mm. 
Clever of you. Now, you know what really gets me about you, Oswin? The souffles. Where do you get the milk? Doctor, I've been looking you up. You're all over the database. Why did the Daleks call you the Predator? I'm not a Predator, just a man with a plan. You've got a plan. We're all ears. There's a nose joke going if someone wants to pick that one off. In no particular order, we need to neutralize all the Daleks in this asylum, rescue Oswin from the wreckage, escape from this planet, and fix Amy and Roy's marriage. How fast can you drop the force field? I can do it from here. As soon as you come and get me. No, just drop the force field and come to us. There's enough power in that teleport for one go. Why would you wait for me? Why wouldn't I? No idea. Never met you. Sending you a map so you can come get me. Okay, as soon as the force field is down, the Daleks will attack. If it gets too explodey, won't in here? You go without me, okay? And leave you to die? Oh, don't worry about me. You're not beaming up to a Dalek ship to get exterminated. Fair point. Love this plan. Uh, what about Amy? Keep her remembering. Keep her focused. That'll hold back the conversion. It, it, Amy's conversion reminded me of um, what was that? Um, the that the, the, the first angel story. Um, well, not the first. The first Matt Smith. Um, actually, I think it was the second episode um, of the Weeping Angels. You mean the eleventh hour? Uh, not the eleventh hour. The, you, the couple episodes you, past that. The uh, Prisoner Zero. No, past that. When she, when when Amy's turning um, into sand, uh, well, she's turning into, uh, you know, the, the, she kept on saying well, that, she, she was counting the numbers down and she was revealing herself that she wasn't her right self and they had to keep her blindfolded or. That, that was the, 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 the same one, wasn't it, where they were in the, uh, the two, the two, uh, the two realities, isn't it? No, no, the, the the two reality ones was the when she was pregnant. Oh, that was the one where no, that was. The one I'm talking about the Rory the Weeping Angel story. Um, I, I can't think of the the episode's ah, right, title yeah. right now, but uh, yeah. you know, Amy wasn't quite right, and that's when the, you know the doctor was picking up clues, and she was counting down, and you know, here she you know she kept on repeating herself, and um, you know, so again there were clues that were given. I mean, I'm just saying that it just a little similarity there. Um, yeah. Let's see. So, um, I, I guess this would um, for for those that are that that were upset with the Skittles dialects, or I know other people had other names for them, but um, that it was good seeing all these other dialects back. What, what was strange though was um, that all these dialects would recognize the Doctor, would recognize the Eleventh Doctor. And, you know, the Doctor has such a long history with the Daleks, he didn't always look the way he does. So every time we see the Dalek, you know, doing a um, a scan and and recognizing him, it's, you know, it would be nice if they would have shown maybe some of the Doctor's faces in that scan and uh, until they got to the 11th Doctor or, um, you know, especially um, there's a room in the, um, you know, in, in the asylum where there are all these uh, Daleks that didn't survive him or something like that and um and and again they all seem to recognize him in his 11th form yeah sorry i was just uh, coughing at that moment but yeah the trouble is of course they were so covered in in uh dust and that you couldn't tell you know one from the other but you're right now but did i also hear was was one of the actual 
conflicts that she listed. Was it Vulcan she mentioned? Surprised me. What I'm say can you say that again? I, I missed that. When uh, the the battles that were coming up on the screen wasn't one of them a Vulcan. A Vulcan? Planet Vulcan. Oh, okay. I'll have to pay closer attention. I didn't notice that. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody told me that. They may have misread it. I heard it. I'm sure I read that somewhere on mm -hmm. the net. But the amazing thing was as well that um, there's a great deal, as I mentioned before, talking about all these different Daleks costumes. We were supposed to see the Dreadnought Dalek, weren't we? The heavily armored one. Yeah, yeah. And I think it about three frames we saw it for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was I um, I, I think yeah. we got a glimpse of it, but it wasn't really featured. I think that goes back to the yeah. Sylvester McCoy era. Right. All right. So what, we have one last clip. We'll play that, and then we'll do our final wrap up on this story, and then we'll move on to uh, dinosaurs. I'm going to take this off my wrist and put it on yours. Why? Then I'll just start converting you. That's not fair. Yeah, but it will buy us time because it will take longer with me. We've both always known that... Amy, basic fact of our relationship is that I love you more than you love me, which today is good news because it might just save both of our lives. Don't you dare say that to me. Don't you ever dare. Amy, you kicked me out! You want kids. You have always wanted kids. Whatever they did to me at Demon's Run, I can't ever give you children. I didn't kick you out. I gave you up. No, tell me what you did. The Daleks, they have a hive mind. Well, they don't, but they have a sort of telepathic web. The path web, yes. I hacked into it, did a master delete on all the information connected with the Doctor. But you made them forget me. I tried hacking into the path web, even I couldn't do it. Come and meet the girl who can. Hey! You are right outside, coming in. It's a dream, Oswin. Where am I? Where? Because you are a Dalek. Oswin, I am so sorry. Egg. Eggs. Um. are not meaningful in this context. Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Doctor Who? That was me. Oh, you did it to them all. You beauty. Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Fellas, you're never going to stop asking. Yeah, and that was, um, I don't know whether I like that, but of course I suppose it was echoing the way it had ended the series last time, uh, you know, with the blue man asking those questions. Um, well, I mean, they're questions that I, I hope are never answered. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I... but it's, it's becoming, a bit, it's coming a bit of a litany, isn't it? That yeah. It does 
nicely give this idea that um, you know it's another whole fraction of the universe who now no longer knows about the Doctor. Uh, they thought of him as the Predator, which was I don't know where that phrase came from, but the point is that now we're sort of um, part and parcel of uh, getting the Doctor back. As I think you, like uh, Mila, is preferring to be, you know, uh, basically a hobo in space, mm-hmm. uh, landing on planets, getting involved in something, sometimes being accused as the, the perpetrator and, and what have you, and then then hopefully solving it and then moving along. And, uh, you know, no big song and dance about, you know, um, ripples through the universe and things. Exactly. Because of what's happened. Well, yeah, also the the, the fact that, was, yeah. that the Daleks' timeline and his timeline don't aren't necessarily exactly always in sync. He travels in time. The Daleks aren't, you know, necessarily. Uh, yeah, well, uh, for the most part, they're not traveling in time. But um, I mean, the, he can meet the Daleks at any time, you know, uh, in their existence. So if they're if if let's say right now they don't have any memory of him he can always you know right. next tri- next trip down you know in the tardis appear where the daleks do remember him you know and you know so it it's it seems superfluous to do this sort of thing where you know this like like resets you know they they're resetting the daleks so they don't know him anymore and they can like start new which seems silly because you know, he travels in time, so he can meet Daleks at any point in their well, I existence. Suppose it, it, I suppose, it, it, I mean, it can eat the, they can have the cake and eat it, because in terms of, if in a future story, it helps the story along that they aren't aware of him, they can play it that way by setting it in a time where that would be the case. And if they want for the, um, you know, the jeopardy of the story to have them know who he is, they can have it that way. So I suppose... From a writing point of view, they've got uh, both solutions there. Yeah, but and but I, as I said before, they they sort of all recognize him as the Doctor, even though he's in his eleventh form. They they, you know, how many Dalek stories have you had with the eleventh Doctor so far? You know, yet they all seem to know him as the Doctor. I mean, they could have you know these Daleks could just not know who he was in that form, but. Um, yeah. The, the other uh, thing... I'm sorry. Oh, oh. No, no, no. Well, I was just going to say, what, what, what do you think about this idea of what it's looking like now, that each time there's a, an episode, the ponds are sort of returned... Yeah, that's uh, getting a little, t- a little tiresome. It's an, You know, it's sort of, um, you know, these... It's going to lessen the blow when they actually do say their goodbyes. I don't know how, the, you know, they're, they're going to end, but... Um, you know, it seems like at the end of each episode they're saying goodbye to each other, so it sort of becomes routine. So I, I don't really see any big impact when we say our, our final goodbyes to the ponds because it's you know <laughs> we've we've been doing this for the past you know year or so. Um, uh, the the other thing I was going to bring up was um, that. You know this hive mind. It, it when when that was mentioned, I immediately thought of the Borg, and you know the Borg goes around, uh, you know, with a hive mind, and they're, they're transforming humans into Borgs, and now we have Daleks trans transforming humans into humanoid Daleks, and 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 in the case of um of Os Oswin Oswald, she was turned into a Dalek, so 
it's just becoming are, are they blurring the lines between cybermen and and um and daleks you know because that's what cybermen do is uh, go around and turn uh, other life forms into cybermen and and now it seems like the daleks are on that same path and and um with the hive mind and all that it's similar to the borg and we all know that the borg is similar to the to the cybermen yeah two, two of the points one that was um that um darth had said uh, on our program that um the the thing we had against this episode was it was a retreading of silence in the library in a way because you have you know the young girl trapped in a computer um, this is spoilers mm-hmm. for that episode, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, and then we have a similar case here, and they they go down the chute to to, to save her, uh, and and of course they also, as um, I think Mike said this might end up about the uh, the other thing is in that that's where the Doctor first makes River Song a future companion out of order, and here he is meeting what we believe now to be a future companion. But, yeah, I said that, too, at the beginning of this episode of this podcast. I, yeah. I had said the same thing, that that, yeah. that we're seeing that again. The, um, we know that Stephen Moffat likes yeah. to play around with time in that respect. So, it's. It, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to be the same, the, the you know, the, the one and the same person that we'll see later on. But then if we know how, you know, we, we know how she's going to end. So it kind of lessens the threat to her in future adventures because we know she's going to get through it because, um, but then again, they sort of explain that with River Song, the, uh, that, 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 I don't know, you know, the timey-wimey thing or whatever. Right. Well, and the other thing we have is the, um, the breaking of the fourth wall. Not seen that since Kaiser Androzani, where she looks to to the to the audience at the end, mm-hmm. something like "Remember me" or something. She says, "Yeah, yeah." Though it's hard to tell because she's sort of looking through that view screen through the whole episode, so you don't know if she's kind of looking through. I don't know. I guess I need to kind of watch that again. Okay. Well, we have uh, Davros1179 in the queue, and we can get him or her um, on board and see what they have to say. Hello. And we'll wait for you unmuted. Yes. Hello, Davros1179. Hello. How are you? Very good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Uh, nice to chat with you. Uh, nice to chat with you again, Dave. Long time no talk. <laughs> Indeed. Um, really this, this, uh, particular episode, um, I enjoyed it. I've, I'm not a huge Dalek fan, um, especially, well, I'll take that back. I like the old Daleks of uh, the classic, the new Daleks, uh, much like you said, I think, uh, I think it's gotten kind of blurred, uh, with the, uh, you know, we, we assimilate humans, we, they, we assimilate, it's almost to the point where they can take any race and make them, uh, either a full-blown Dalek or Dalek-ish, yeah. so to speak. And, uh, that's, that, that, that's a bit much to me. The Daleks, uh, I always appreciated the, the, the purity, uh, of them, of the race. Uh, and, you know, my, my online namesake comes from, uh, my appreciation of that Davros because I, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like this new idea at all. Um, the only time in the new series where I thought the Daleks, uh, 
became uh, somewhat pure again is uh, during the end of uh, David Tennant's time of the uh, um, when Davros says you know he took of himself uh, to make a pure Dalek race, since mm-hmm. of course Davros himself uh, created them. So I enjoyed that, but this is just too much for me, um, and I I was still really confused. Uh, with, with the whole Dalek Parliament thing and everything, uh, you know, we have we have RTD Daleks, we have uh, the Teletubby Daleks, as I like to call them, <laughs> um, and you know, so you know, because you know, when the uh, when when the uh, the new Daleks were created in Victory, uh, you know, the uh, the the RTD-ish Daleks. You know, realize you know we're not pure, we're not worthy, and you know they're destroyed. Now all of a sudden, so are we making new Daleks and putting them in RTD casings? Are we just have we decided no? We you know, we we need numbers, so we're not going to destroy you, even though you're somewhat inferior. You know, why all of a sudden do we have millions and millions of RTD Daleks, and we have no explanation as to why they're just there? Uh, that that kind of bothered me too a little bit. Um, but uh, you know it is what it is, and they kind of the the thing that the uh, the new Daleks were kind of in the background, except for the white Dalek. You know they're supposed to be true, you know the true pure Daleks now. You know we're back and with a vengeance and all this, and but they're in the background. You 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 hardly see them at all. You kind of have to you kind of have to hit pause on the DVR to to see all the different colors and, and makes and. It, I don't know. Really, really confusing on that on that point. Um, but it was nice to see some of the old Daleks, even though they were kind of background. Um, it was. Uh, I was. I always thought the special weapons Dalek was kind of cool. So it was neat to see that, even though it was inactive. It was so cool to see. Um, caught a very small glimpse of a, uh, a William Hartnell-looking Dalek um, before they had the, uh, the separate. Uh, the separate panels, and they were like that—that that, uh, kind of chrome piece that was straight-lined around the casing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of see that out of the corner of your eye if you pay attention. Um, so that was neat, um, but you know, it, it, it was what it was. Um, so far, that that uh, both these two new episodes really have enjoyed Matt Smith for the first time. Uh, which is which has been nice. I'll definitely say that. I've not been a fan of Matt Smith really at all, um, and uh, I've so far I've liked how they have him doing this one. I like that they're getting back to the mystery of the Doctor. Um, whether how it works out, Alex forgetting him or not, who you know who's to say? But it's a nice idea because I've, I've gotten a little tiresome of everywhere he goes. You know, whether it's a race that we as an audience have ever been introduced to before or not, they know him. Everybody knows the doctor no matter where he goes. And that that's, you know, that uh, that that again gets a little tiresome. Yeah. It, it almost it, it, it almost eliminates that part where, you know, as the audience, we get to go on the getting to know you ride. Um, we kind of miss a little bit of that. Because oh we know who the doctor is and oh yes you know I've been here a hundred times before so you know we missed that to where we got a lot of that uh, in the previous new series and of course um, you know most definitely in the classic series where we kind of get to learn you know well we're you know what is this race what is their background what do they do because the doctor's learning at the same time we are and that's 
that was getting more and more taken away from us as an audience. So I, I, I hope this whole forgetting the doctor thing maybe goes that route, and we we get to we get to experience new you know new things or new planets or whatnot for the first time along with the character instead of coming along for visit number two, three, four, or five. Well, I, I agree with you. I'd say, you know, I'd say overall for the episode, I'd, I'd give it, uh, I'd give it three and a half groans out of five. Um, I, you know, again, I enjoyed it. Um, I like seeing more Rory all the time, even though we're kind of on our way to say goodbye to him. Mm-hmm. Um, tired of Amy, love her to death. Uh, I think she does a good job. Um, she's, she, you know, she's definitely easy on the eye. But uh, again, too too much Amy. Uh, yeah. So glad to see Rory. But you know, definitely definitely agree with you on the whole tired of them getting picked up and dropped off and picked up and dropped off. It's like the doctor's having a weekend sleepover, and uh, hey, everybody come to my house. We'll watch a movie and have popcorn. And then you know, Sunday afternoon, oh, it's time to go home again. Sleepover's over. Oh, we're having another one next weekend. Let's pick you up again. That, that's getting a little old too. I mean, for that matter, he can go to any past companion and pick them up for an adventure and drop them off again. You know, he, he seems to not have done that in the past. He seems to, you know, once it's over, it's over, and then he moves on. And it just seems a little out of sync with his, you know, the continuity of the character for him to constantly going back to the ponds. Yeah, and, you know, that could also, you know, I, I, I attribute, and I could be totally wrong, but I, I attribute maybe some of that to... Uh, modern day society you know back in the day it was different you know the uh, obviously the relationship between the doctor and any of his companions was different the doctor was generally either an older gentleman or even some of the younger ones you know pete davison and people of that nature still have that kind of older gentleman quality and these were kids basically almost grandchildren nieces and nephews kind of characters where they're they're coming along with the older guy for a fun adventure and this is what we do to where a more modern doctor who is based on kind of equal playing level relationships where we're even though the doctor is 900 a thousand years old or whatnot his portrayal he looks young he looks the same age as them and he is most of the actors are portraying the doctor acting the same age as them in a lot of ways so i i kind of attribute the whole we got to get back to our life we'll hang out with you for a little bit we'll go back to our life again more of a, a maybe a, you know appealing to a modern society where that formula most definitely probably would not have worked in the 60s and 70s but i guess because i'm such a huge fan of the classic series even though that may appeal to some modern people. It most certainly doesn't to me. So I'll, I'll be glad when that's over. Yeah. And going back to what you said before, I, I mean, I agree with you. The, the Wherever the doctor goes, they shouldn't automatically everyone just recognize him and have, you know, know his background and all that because um, he travels through time and space. So he can he can appear before they met him or, or you know it's it doesn't it doesn't make sense that everyone you know that he's a legend in the universe because he, he's so elusive you know it's just the nature of the character it, it so i you know i know they're doing this whole big reset but i just don't think it should have been necessary to do in the first time in the first place because they shouldn't have um you know made it so that wherever he went you know he was sort of you know there were legends about him and all that you know it's just it's because 
he travels through time. So maybe there are legends in the future, but not whatever time period he's in. Yeah, de def definitely. That that's my feeling on it. I think, I think they really were successful in keeping that for the most part alive um, during the initial reboot with Chris Eccleston. I, you know, he was very elusive. Uh, they went places that you know people did not know him. Uh, you know, he they and 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 the end of the world, the the second uh, ever episode. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're on a, a on a space station with you know a, a dozen different alien races, yeah. and none of them know who he is. Exactly. And you know that that's great stuff. That's great stuff. That's the that's the 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 Lone Ranger madman with a box mentality. And that's how we got from that to, hey, everybody, including my brother, your cousin, and his roommate, have met me five times. Uh, how we got to that, I, uh, you know, Lord only knows. But uh, uh, you know, again, I'd love to see it go back the other way. It's I've, I've actually watched the first series with Chris as, over and over a few times, even though he's not my favorite Doctor, just because I like those scenarios. Mm -hmm. That's really been one of my favorite seasons of all of the new ones because of that. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. They're working towards that, aren't they? They are working to 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 change the uh, the Doctor in that sense. I mean, again, we haven't got on to the second episode yet, but there's more in terms of that of making the Doctor a less special person. Yeah, but yeah, I guess what it'll be good to see. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is that he shouldn't be that way in the first place, you know, because, um, yeah. you know, since he's so elusive, you know, he he's travels in time and space. You know, why? How could he, you know, maintain this reputation? You know, it's um, he slips in and out of situations all the time. Yeah, he should have. I, I, I don't think, again, personal opinion, um, but definitely I don't think he should have been turned into uh, the doctor slash the celebrity. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's almost the, the, the feeling you get. The paparazzi follows him around now. He's, a, you know, he's red carpet treatment. It, it's, you know, it's, I, I definitely agree with you on that, Lewis. It's, it's, it's more fun. To, to, to keep true to the character that, you know, he, he materializes in the stockroom and comes in the back way. You know, he doesn't yeah. show up on, mm -hmm. on, on the front step and uh, there's valets to park the TARDIS. It, it shouldn't. It just shouldn't be that way. But again, you know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> oh, I agree. All right. Well, thank you very much, Davros. And uh, put, feel free to put yourself back in the queue when uh, you know when we uh, start because we're going to review um, dinosaurs in the spaceship next. So, excellent. Well, thanks for having me. I always enjoy the show. Uh, proud to be a supporter, and uh, um, just keep doing what you do. I think it's great. Thank you. We'll move on to uh, dinosaurs in a spaceship. Uh, I just do want to make a um, a, a brief. Um, pause here to uh, to thank a sponsor of ours, which is Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from, and that covers every genre, thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction. They have tons of Doctor Who material. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't counted in the last, but um, I, I would imagine that over a couple hundred Doctor Who titles available through Audible. 
And you can play them on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Dr. Hugh Pachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. So to get your free audiobook, this is a, a, a slightly different URL than we give on our other shows. To get your free uh, audiobook, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash podchock. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash podchock for your free audiobook. One selection that you could choose is Doctor Who Day of the Cockroach. It's an 11th Doctor story. It's written by Steve Lyons. It's narrated by Arthur Darville. As you know, Arthur Darville is uh, Rory Williams in the series, and he's uh, playing that character as well as narrating the whole entire book and, and doing a good 11th Doctor um, impersonation in, in this um, audio book. Uh, the TARDIS materializes uh, in Earth, on Earth rather, in 1982 in the middle of an atomic war. Now, we all know there wasn't an atomic war in 1982, but uh, they find themselves inside of a British nuclear bunker, and I guess they need to uh, piece together what's going on and what happened. So, uh, again, this is um, Day of the Cockroach. Let's hear a sample of this audiobook. I'm not seeing a duck pond, Doctor, said Amy. I'm not seeing much at all, said Rory. Oh, we are in Ledworth, the Doctor assured them both. Well, probably. We might have drifted a short way off, of course, but Upper Ledworth, maybe. England, anyway. Great Britain. Earth, then. And we're definitely on Earth. Give or take. They were groping their way along a pitch-dark tunnel. The Doctor was using his sonic screwdriver as a torch. It shed a feeble green light over whitewashed brick walls and brown vinyl flooring. Strip lights lined the ceiling, all of them dead. Rory froze in his tracks and lowered his voice. Did you hear? It sounds like rustling, agreed Amy. And what's that smell? The doctor's screwdriver light had found something on the floor. He rushed over and crouched down beside it. It was a man. He wore combat fatigues, but they were torn and soaked in blood. The doctor felt his neck for a pulse, but couldn't find one. Oh, we're too late. They could all hear several pairs of booted footsteps approaching at a run. Ah, right, said the doctor. Dead body, mysterious strangers. I know how the story goes. We are about to be accused of murder. Glaring white torchlight spilled over the three of them. In the shadows behind the light, they could make out the shapes of four hefty men. Like the body on the floor, they were wearing fatigues, and they were also carrying guns. Down on the ground, barred the leader of the soldiers. All three of you, now! He was short and thick-set with a bristling black moustache. He wore rank insignia on his epaulets, two pips and a crown. He was a colonel. And keep your hands where I can see them. This bunker is the property of the British government, and you... Great Britain, yes, I knew it, whooped the doctor. The colonel glared at him, and the doctor's grin melted. I love Britain, he said sheepishly. Soccer ball. God save the king. Cream tea on the green in the pouring rain. <laughs> I'm the doctor, by the way. This should explain everything. He showed the colonel his psychic paper 
That normally got him out of trouble, but the colonel brushed it aside without even glancing at it. How long have you been down here? He demanded. We sealed the hatches before the bomb dropped, so you must have got in before then. Who are you? Vagrants? Red spies? Or are you peacenik protesters? Peacenik? Well, this could be your selection for your free audio book that Audible is offering. It doesn't have to be. You could choose anything they have to offer, but uh, you may want to check it out. It's an 11th Doctor original story, Day of the Cockroach. And um, and again, you're not you don't have to pick a Doctor Who title, but there I'm assuming you're a Doctor Who fan if you're listening to this show. So uh, definitely check out the Doctor Who selections there. There's always new selections uh, being added to their uh, catalog. And uh, but you can choose anything that you like. It um, could be comedy, could be whatever, you know, uh, science, whatever. There's there's so many selections there. Uh, so, again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash podshock to get your free audiobook. And we thank Audible for sponsoring this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. All right, let's jump into a clip from um, Dinosaurs in a Spaceship, and then we'll, we'll talk about it from there. Bye, then. Lovely meeting you. You think I'll just let you leave without me, huh? Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, what is? Nothing. Not interesting. Not at all. Ooh, never been oh. that excited. Craft size, approximately 10 million square kilometers. Can you communicate with this craft? She's with me. Good question, Effie. No. If it comes within 10,000 kilometers of Earth, we send up missiles. Oh, Indira, I liked you before you said missiles. How long till the ship gets that close? Six hours, 19 minutes. We're going to need help. More to you. What is it? I've no idea. Do you want to find out? I think it's the fitting. Dad, it's not the fitting. It just needs a new bulb. You're wobbling the ladder. I'm not. How's my side, Brian? Perfect. Thank you, Brian. I don't know what he sent to you to make you marry him, but he's a lucky man. You leave the back door open. Hello. Just a quick hop. Everybody grab a torch. Spiders. Don't normally get spiders in space. Don't move! Do you really think I'm that stupid I wouldn't notice? How did you get aboard, hey? Transmat? Who sent you? Well, sir, <clears throat> that's my dad. Well, frankly, that's outrageous. What? You think you can just bring your dad along without asking? I'm not a taxi service, you know. You materialised around us. Oh, well, that's fine then. My mistake. Hello, Brian. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. You know when Amy and I first got married and we went travelling to Thailand? More the entirety of space and time in that police box. This is Nephi, this is Riddell. They're with me. Yeah. With you? What, are they the new us? Is that why we haven't seen you? No, they're just people. They're not pawns. I thought we might need a gang. Not really had a gang before. It's new. Not possible. Run! Doctor! I know! Dinosaurs! On a spaceship! Uh, so once again, if you're just joining us, spoiler warnings, uh, alert, alert, because uh, if you haven't seen Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, we're there. we'll be talking about it and we won't be holding back. So um, 
of course the bells are flaring and um you know what that means spoilers ahead all right well um dinosaurs on a spaceship is is directed by Saul Metstein and written by Chris Chibnall who uh who wrote the um the pond the this this the mini um I don't know I was going to say episode but the mini story mini adventure that preceded this series of Doctor Who right um was it pond life I think it was called so uh that's right yeah so if you've seen this story you can rather more than that I mean there's been quite a few episodes oh yeah you know no I'm just saying that people know him from Torchwood and yeah yeah. I I didn't mean to imply that's all he's done but it just um it just you know as a lead into this series of of Doctor Who there was this um um you know mini adventure called Pond Life which he had written which was fairly light hearted you know um I mean it it you don't it's not required for uh, you know this series so far so it's not something that uh, there, there's not that much you know substance in that mini adventure to that you, that you definitely need to see it um it, it's I, I i think it was just there for fun but it, it we're, we're going to get back to that in, in in just a moment but um but as i said this this story once again i think is a uh, if you see, it's it's sort of a lighthearted episode. It's comedy. It's sort of um, it's sort of the, the, sort of like the curse of the black spot, you know, where you know of, of yeah. last year, where you know you have it starts the the series starts with a um, adventure, you know, something that's high, an intense story, and then then we're treated to something that's a little less. Um, you know, uh, filled. I mean, the whole story is filled with one-liners and jokes, and um, and I think that's what you know what shines about this episode. I mean, it's it's the the ingredients are good. I mean, it's, uh, you have. I mean, we were due for another space arc in Doctor Who. Every every uh, twenty some odd years, we get a space arc. So, uh, yeah, we were due for one again. And uh, there were a lot of good elements in the story. You know, dinosaurs, um, the Salorians, and um, you know, the, the, uh, a, a not a smuggler, a bounty hunter, I guess. Or that's probably not the right terminology. But um, you know, um, but. There are a lot of ingredients in this, but overall, it just it was it it just maintained it just maintained a, a light sensibility, and they had fun with the characters, and um, but it it you know even though it did have some moments of heavy hand you know of heavy story ter- you know I don't know if I'm using the right again I'm working with no sleep here but. Um, <laughs> you know intense scenes whatever it was kept to a minimum you know it was um you know you had the the, the two ro- the two robots that were adding comedy elements to the story as well and so um i uh, you know we intro- were introduced to uh, Rory's father and uh he's um he's played by Mark Williams who um who's playing Brian Williams because Rory's last name is Williams, even though they, they're, they, he's referred to as a pond <laughs> as Rory is. So, uh, 
I, I what I found interesting about him was that he reminded me of Martin uh, Martin Freeman. His face is just I mean he seems like an older Martin. Like he could be a Martin Freeman's playing Martin Freeman's uh, father. If you don't know who he is, he was um, he played Arthur in the the, the revised. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie a few years ago. Um, he was in The Office, I think. Um, he's done I think a bunch most of other our stuff. Listeners will recognize him yeah. As being Arthur Weasley, the father of Weasley in the Harry Potter films. Oh, okay. I, I see. I'm, I'm, I've only seen a couple of those films, and I, he had a familiar well, look to him. Most, that's his most famous one. I yeah. see. Okay. Well, I'm glad you shared that because I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't have a lot to say about this story. Um, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't necessarily love it, even though it had a lot of elements of it to love. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more the second viewing, which is often the case with Doctor Who, because even though I had no knowledge going into this, I, I, I didn't know it was going to be a lighthearted one. So um, you know, though I guess with the title, I should have known that. Uh, but you know, I didn't know what to expect, but. Um, it it was basically sort of like a bottle episode where we're in the this uh, arc for the most part. Um, it was, and 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 I understand the reason why you know it was dark and there were very dimly lit sets and all that, and they probably spent a lot of money and budget that went into doing these spectacular dinosaur effects, which I don't have any complaints about, but um, maybe they couldn't really dress up the sets as much as they like. And, um, you know, and we can assume that this arc doesn't have full power or it's, 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 and thus it's not fully lit. And, um, but it, it sort of did remind me a bit of, of the Lost in Space episodes where they couldn't afford to do, you know, expensive sets. So they, they did, you know, they had these like, black draped rooms with just a, a, a computer there and something there to give you t- to allude to that it was in a spaceship or something like that I'm sorry you were about to well, say something different environments but of course yeah I think there were different environments anyway but don't forget I mean I'm assuming this spaceship's 56 million years old yeah I, I, uh, again the, there's a reason there, there, it wasn't just you know something that oh well you know We'll do this, and hopefully, no one will notice. I mean, it it, it played into the story, and it worked well. Uh, the, the, I guess my only complaint would be is that, I, and I'm assuming this was like an Earth base somewhere where they were launching the missiles. It was also darkly lit, and the, I just felt there wasn't enough contrast. It almost, I mean, it almost felt like they were in the same place, even though we know they weren't. You know, um, I I would just had preferred if maybe the the scenes that were shot on uh, you know where they were launching the missiles from maybe if that was a brightly lit just to give some contrast to the darkly lit arcs just so um it gives the viewers a sense of geography where you know you know immediately that this scene is taking place there and, and that scene is taking place on the arc and whatnot um well there's two things for that i mean one of course it was presumably some sort of missile silo which would need to be underground and secondly it was the indian space agency so uh, they would have had the issue of having to have a, an Indian backdrop to it, which I thought was rather nice, having uh, you know the assumption mm-hmm. that, that they would have, you know, because we're, we're the, the the time period is uh, 2357, I think, for that part of the story. Well, the story takes place in that because that's that's the point in time when this ship is coming back to Earth. But um, I mean, there were lots of things. Um, just jumping about a bit, if I may. I mean, sure. the other main actor there as well was um, 
people. No, I said sure. Go ahead. I, I... Okay, all right. Uh, playing the uh, Solomon was David Bradley, and I'm saying this for your benefit. You, he was also he played Argus Finch, the caretaker in the Harry Potter films as well. Oh, so really? The Harry Potter fans will have loved this. The dinosaur fans will have loved it. I thought it was a bit adolescent. The humour was really adolescent. Mm -hmm. The uh, Mitchell and Webb were playing the voices of the two robots, which were British uh, British comedy uh, people. There's an awful lot of uh, British uh, statements in there. I mean, um, uh, when he's talked about the, the chap acquiring things, it was like the, the Argus from space. Well, Argos is, uh, think... Um, you know, it's like a, a catalogue company where, where you get things through a catalogue, like sort of eBay mm -hmm. based in real shops. Uh, then uh, there's the joke that, um, that Amy says about when the two are arguing, um, you know, uh, you're like the Chuckle Brothers there, which is a British comedy children's act. So there's an awful lot of uh, young humour there, the naughty step and things like that. But um just to just to show you how um, how versatile Chris uh, Chibnall is, um, his two previous Doctor Who stories. One was based on a spaceship crashing, that was forty two, and the other one was uh, that was uh, and the other one was Hungry Earth Coldwood, which was a story about Silurians. So he did one about a smash, plush, smashing spaceship, and then he's done one about Silurians. So his third story is. Salonians on a, uh, a crashing spaceship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, I, I picked up um, another. It, I mean, the dinosaurs. Another th running theme, and and seems to be in in so far. It's we only had two episodes, uh, but if you include pond life, it's been in. It's been a running theme in in three episodes now, in three stories. Is. Uh, in each of them, there's a scene where the doctor either talks about the past or we see him actually taking part in music where he's playing. He has a hand in, um, you know, either laying back background vocals or playing something in the background. Or was um, once again where uh, there's a scene here where um, I think Solomon is listening to uh, was, I think it was him was listening to some, some music for four hands or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and once again, the, so and and there was a you know a, a scene in uh, the previous story, uh, Song of the Daleks, where he makes a uh, it was um, the, the the music that um, Os Oswin was playing. Uh, he was pl he played the triangle or something like that in the background. And you, he said you can't really yeah. you know it was mixed, so it you can't really lost in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> So it 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 seems that seems to be an ongoing thread. I don't know if we'll continue in the next episodes, uh, but it, I don't know if it, I don't think it has any real significance. But it's just interesting to point out. No, it's a running gag. I think more a running gag yeah. more than a thread. I think. Um, what else? But um, the, the, I was to say the uh, I think the dinosaurs were were extremely well done. I mean, we're taking for granted perhaps the quality of Doctor Who in recent well, years, and it's. Uh, you know, it's a far cry from from the the drash the, the the or whatever they were called back in the Pertwee era. What was funny is, and this was purely coincidental, is that did not the miniscope. You're right. Yeah, that, that the night before this, um, the, you know, before this was transmitted, the night before I happened, I, I was um, on television. Uh, one of the um, 
uh, one of the channels here was playing, uh, and I don't remember the full title of the movie, but it's Your, Y-O-R, it's a 1983 film, and it has a... I and I had never seen this movie from beginning to end, but it was uh, I and I didn't see it in the theaters either, obviously. But uh, back in the '80s, with um, the proliferation of cable television, it was being played a lot. So you get to see little glimpses of the movie, and um, and I guess a lot of people, it, it's sort of like voted one of the best bad films, uh, or the most enjoyable bad films out there, because it's really bad, but people tend to enjoy watching it, and it might be for because a lot of, there's a lot of half-naked people there. It, it somehow it combines futurism with, with uh, um, cave, I don't want to say cavemen, but whatever, prehistoric people in in furs <laughs> but they they have dinosaurs and uh, uh, uh pterodactyls in it and all that and it's so bad it's you know if for for 1983 it was it was just so bad <laughs> so and, and it just happened to be on the night before this and and uh and when you compare it you know and when you think of doctor who uh, you know the cliche you know rob wobbly sets you know that people associate with doctor who which um, really is unfair and, um, you know, and uh, the, the murker or whatever that sometimes, you know, gets thrown out there as, you know, silly stuff. And, but, um, yeah, it, the, the, this is Doctor Who's come a long way, baby. And this is like um, proof and evidence these dinosaurs here are really done very well. Yeah, I think it must have used up a lot of the budget because <clears throat> one of the criticisms we had earlier was the. The fact that we, we've gone back to that beach again, the, the bad wolf face type of beach, mm-hmm. uh, that rock face, I'm sure that's the one that's from the, the Time of Angels one, the, the um, you know, the um, Crash of the Byzantium, that cliff face. Yeah, that's the episode uh, I was and trying to remember before. number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's play another... You know, I mean, uh, I think if you, put, if you put your brain to one side, it was enjoyable, but I must admit, when watching it, uh, live, I always have two opinions about Doctor Who. I always have my heart in my mouth when I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I didn't like some of the sort of uh, the humour, the um, the toilet room humour, really. You know, like uh, when one of the robots says, uh, "I'm not oh. afraid." Oh, I think I might yeah. be. I've just linked a bit of oil or something, and yeah, that's like that. a bit um, silly. I'm sure the younger audience will perhaps uh, enjoy it. And um, there, was, there was an awful lot there. There was a I mean, uh, the music was really great, although, in fact, I found it obscuring some of the dialogue for myself, particularly at the beginning. But, I mean, there's an awful lot in these shows. There's definitely more than one watching, although I don't know about the rewatchability of this storyline. No, um, I agree with you. I, I, mean, I felt the same quite... way. I, You know, it, even watching it the first time, it just seemed to drag a bit. And um, and I enjoyed it better the second time, but just it just seemed like it, like the story wasn't going anywhere, really. And it just seemed, you know, it just, it was a bottle episode and I was feeling a little claustrophobic, you know, in it. And it just, um, it, I, I wasn't getting a real sense of danger. And, you know, so... Uh, that, that, that was my, you know, I, again, it was, I can't say I really loved the episode, but I didn't really hate it. It's just sort of down in the middle for me, which I, it reminds me, we didn't give our TARDIS groans for, for the last one. We'll, we'll, when, we, oh. we, when we finish with this one, we'll do our TARDIS groans for both episodes. Because it just remembered we didn't, okay. we didn't do and what it. Is it with the doctor, what is it with the Doctor and Queens? 
mean, Queen Nefertiti, Queen Elizabeth I. Yeah, I know. We're, we're getting queened out. And Queen Victoria. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's play... And an, Madame Pompadour is not much far from that. Yeah. I could take one of them. Short blow up into the throat. Or not, we just found dinosaurs in space. We need to preserve them. And who's going to preserve us? We need to get down to these engines. What happened? We're outside. We're on a beach. Teleport? Oh, I hate teleports. Must have activated on my voice. Ah, yes. Well, thank you, Arthur C. Clarke. Doctor! Did you hear that? Doctor. After all this time. Sorry, what was your name again? Queen Nefertiti of Egypt. See? Metal floor, screens in rocks. It was just a short-range teleport. We're still on the ship. Well, if these are the engines, there must be a control room. And those teledactyl? Yes. On any other occasion, I'd be thrilled. Exposed on a beach, less than thrilled. Can't we just teleport or something? No! Local teleports burned out on arrival! Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, what do we do now? There's no way back out there. Doctor, whatever's down there is coming this way. We're very cross with you. Whoever was running this vessel left in a hurry. Maybe a plague came and took them. No, it'd be corpses and bones. Unless the animals ate them. 117 years. Data records. Ship's owners. Could be. Look. It's beautiful. I can't tell how far we have come. Far enough to avoid the destructive impact forecast for our planet. What is that? Silurian. You're going straight on the naughty step. Herbivore wine, don't panic, Triceratop. You don't have any vegetable matter in your trousers, do you, Brian? Only my balls. I'm sorry? Golf balls. Grassy residue. What are you carrying those around for? Get it away from me! Throw one. Is this what you want? Right. Take us to your leader. Really? Too good to resist. And there you have it, Dave. More <laughs> bathroom humor there about the balls. <laughs> it's beginning to sound like talk to a Pachak. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um, I, I, again, it's it's really um, lots of one-liners here, and it's I think um, you had mentioned it that I'll, there's a lot to kind of grasp and hear and watching it again, you know, you get a chance to pick up on some of the stuff that you might have missed the first time around. But that aside, the rewatchability of it is probably limited because it's pretty much a, a, a simple story, even though it's interesting. Um, but I mean, there's just not a lot going on in it. You know, you're not on the edge of your seat through the whole thing. Um, but I mean, what makes it interesting are the characters and, and drawing contrast to companions of past, you know, uh, since Doctor Who's come back, you know, since 2005 forward, now they flesh out the companions more, you know, in the past we've seen maybe a, a couple relatives of companions, you know, Tegan comes to mind with his, uh, you know, the, the cousin that he, she had, um, but, uh, now we get to, you know, every companion, we, we get to meet their their parents and, um, you know, uh, other family members as well. And um, so now we're introduced to Rory's father and, 
and um, and now he, as we see at the end of this episode, seems to um, travel with the Doctor for some time. Uh, the Doctor comes out saying that he's uh, Sagittarius, probably, uh, which um, <laughs> I'm Sagittarius, so that's uh, something that we both share in common. But I obviously that goes to uh, the November 23rd. I, I'm, I'm guessing reference there. I, I don't know when. I, I don't follow ast- astrology, so I, I don't know when. You know the, the time. That's right, because uh, I'm I'm um, Scorpio, and that ends on the 22nd. Oh, so yeah. So then he's yeah. So it's probably the 23rd starts Sagittarius. I'm that that's my sign as well. Um, Rory makes a reference about you know pockets. It's all about the pockets in our family, and um, that's something that that I always associate the doctor with because the doctor's always has uh, a multitude of things in his pocket. So now it's kind of we're seeing the companions doing that sort of. Um, and we're getting Rory as well, taking on uh, things of the doctor's knees, you know, because he, he lies to his father when he's injecting him. Yes, yeah. Well, I, I think that's a trait most doctors or healthcare people do. <laughs> this won't hurt much. <laughs> Which I think the master said to... Uh, do you want to move on to the final clip? And, yeah. And then we'll perhaps get Davros back in. Well, uh, and we'll do our final wrap-up. So uh, both episodes, we'll give our TARDIS groans. Hello, Earth, out there. Doctor, the ship's coming through the atmosphere. I have to start the missile program. You and the Doctor, are you his queen? No, no, I'm Rory's queen. Wife. And the Doctor does... He have a queen. I thought you had a husband. A male equivalent of a sleeping potion. You clearly need a man of action and excitement. One with a very large weapon. You were telling the truth, Doctor. Earth has launched missiles. Earth Queen Nefertiti of Egypt. Give her to me, and I let the rest of you live. No. I demanded to be brought here. No, 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 no way. It isn't your choice, Doctor, it's mine. Listen to me, if you go with him, I can't guarantee your safety. You saved my people, I am in your debt. No, my bounty increases. Computer, take us back to my ship. The missiles are locked onto us, we can't outrun them. We have to save the dinosaurs and get Nefertiti back from Solomon. Isn't it obvious? Uh, it's sort of the opposite of obvious. 17 minutes before the missiles hit, we need to turn the ship around. You said it was too late. There wasn't any time. Ah, yes, but I didn't have this plan then, did I? What's the matter? Parallel pilot compartments, bioconfigured, needs two operators of the same gene chain. That's why Solomon couldn't change the ship's course, and neither can we. We can. Me and Rory. We must be the same gene thingy you just said. Lady on my side. About to be blown up. I'm not sure I've ever been had here. Shut up and shoot. She's changing. It makes no difference. The missiles have locked on. Release my ship, Doctor. Or I kill this precious little object. I'm not your possession now, nor will I ever be. What are you doing? Disabling this ship's signal and replacing it with the one from the Silurian ship. I send this craft off, emitting the signal they're looking for. The missiles will follow. You wouldn't leave me, Doctor! Enjoy your bounty. So, dinosaur drop-off time. Actually, we think home. 
Right, yes, I'm pretty busy anyway. I mean, I've got to drop everyone back. About that, can I ask a favour? There's something I want to see. So I thought uh, David Bradley did a, a, a good job playing the Solomon character, where he's sort of a, a frail character with uh, obviously um, injured legs, and uh, yet at the same time he's uh, you know with the help of his robot friends he's um, he's able to be powerful and um, and and be a menace. So, um, but I, I thought you know, and his raspy voice and all that, I think it just kind of fit the part very well. Right. A couple of more things I just realised that listening to that, uh, you know, the part about the fact that he used to have two two people fly it from mm-hmm. the same gene pool. Again, we had some discussion about the fact that you know humans weren't alive when this spaceship was uh, designed. But um, having said that, going back to Chris Chibnall, uh, it's episode forty-two, if I remember rightly. That spaceship had two controls. Uh, the difference there was that it wasn't that two had to fly it. But they were at opposite ends of the um, all those locked compartments. But it was still part of the puzzle to be able to fly the ship and get him from one end to the other. Because Martha and that young lad had to keep going mm-hmm. to get to the other control or something. But um, what about the fact of the doctor let this man uh, reach his fate? I mean, no second chances again, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that's I. That was my takeaway from that as well. You know that um, you know that that. The doctor is just not going to just put up with it anymore. Um, now, uh, yeah. the Solorians now uh, launch this vessel into space. Now, we know there, because we've seen the Solorians um, recently as spacefaring, um, you know, a race, even though before now, though that's not, well, it's been a while since I saw that Peter Davison um, story. Uh, but. But but getting back to uh, the original Solarian story with with John Pertwee was that the the reason why they went into hibernation originally was because of um, this asteroid that was coming to towards Earth, which eventually turned into the Moon. Um, they thought it was going to you know wreak havoc with the Earth and all that, and um, maybe that's I'm I'm guessing I'm assuming maybe that's when they had launched this Ark to uh, to escape this um, potential uh, tragic event. That was um, going to take place. Either that, or the coming of Adric. <laughs> yeah, Adric. That's right. So <laughs> uh, I think we're, uh, <laughs> we're we're due to, for the doctor to mention him at some point. Yeah. Um, I, I think I don't think we can analyze it too much. Yeah. I think I think the point is it was jeopardy. Uh, the main solution to come out of this is that we're easing out of the ponds. Even even uh, Amy was thinking, well, these are replacements for us. We've got to, the doctor. Uh, I like the bit of the fact at the start, you know, he has an adventure with uh, Nefertiti that we'll, we'll never know. Of course, one of the strange things was at the end, he doesn't return her back to Egypt, but she seems to be dropped off in Africa with her new big game hunter friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have uh, Rory getting a little bit of recognition in his father's eyes. You know, uh, his father seems to think a bit more about him than when we first see him on the stepmother. Um, and we get this, although you find fault with it, but at least we get the opportunity to have adventures now 
where the Daleks don't automatically know who the Doctor is. But, um, as I say, we've got um, well, Thanos back still with it. Or still yeah, with us. That, that's just yeah. one one other point I just wanted to make was uh, I was gl- I was pleased that when Solomon did scan the Doctor that it came up as unknown, you know, so I was glad to see that because uh, yeah. that, that conversation that I was just having before with, with, with Davros 1179 is, uh, you know, about the doctor being known everywhere and, and seems to be cataloged and, and, you know, indexed and all that. And now finally we get to see a, a story where he's unknown. Right. All right. So speaking of which we'll, we'll get, um, Davros back in the queue. Also, um, guest 27 in our chat room. By the way, when we do these live shows, there's a chat room that goes on on TalkShoe.com. So uh, even if you don't participate by calling, you can always um, chime in in the chat room. And um, and guest 27 um, pointed out that um, there's a reference to the transmat um, technology that um, goes back to the seeds of death. But it, um, even Tom Baker had used the term and um and it's basically been used throughout doctor who for since that time as um you know to to um imply like a transporter beam effect you know where you'd or teleportation uh you would use transmat so it was good to see the doctor use that term although he just used it in that reference there with um with uh, Rory's father, you know, uh, you know, how did he get on board and all that? But later on, it's all te- you know, the, the terminology was teleport. All right, let's uh, get Davros eleven seventy nine. It's been a long time since we heard from Davros. So welcome back to the show. It's been a very long time. It has. I've been counting the moments. It's, it's, <laughs> if I'd have held my breath, I'd be passed out by now. I know. It feels like the last time uh, you were on. We you would... are more than welcome. Oh, thanks. You're more than welcome to shorten my name. Uh, you can just call me Davros. The 1179 is simply because when I first started using that name, Davros was taken, so I added some numbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's it has no, no reference to November 1979 or anything like that. It's just random numbers. No, oh, well, it's yes, it is. Of January, is it not? Oh. No, it is, it is uh, November of 79, but uh, I added those simply because I first time I ever thought, well, what am I going to use? I put in Davros, and I said, you're kidding me, it's taken? <laughs> so I wanted it so bad, I just threw my birthday on there. But uh, you can call me Davros for short. Uh, this, wow, how, how much fun was this episode? My goodness. Um, I just... It was fun. I, there's no other way to describe it. At least when I was watching it, yeah. uh, you know, I saw I saw some uh, some screenshots from it because spoilers honestly don't bother me. I figured we're going to find out anyway. So in a, a, a picture, you can get so much from a picture, and you could be totally wrong anyway. So I, I saw some screenshots. I saw a lovely um, uh, picture that uh, it's almost got an animated look to it. Uh, of the doctor riding uh, a dinosaur, not the one he rides in the episode, um, but uh, looks more like a T-Rex or something, um, and uh, a big, uh, almost movie marquee-ish title underneath where it says uh, dinosaurs on a spaceship, and uh, he's wearing his cowboy hat. And it, it, I just thought it was really, it just when I saw that, I saw it like Tuesday or Wednesday night, and I thought, man, this, this episode's going to be fun. 
it's just it just gave me that feel in fact so much that i, I posted it on facebook so everybody can see how fun it looked um but uh yeah great great episode lighthearted. um really really even more than asylum made me enjoy watching matt smith again for the first time i've liked a lot of his previous stories but i still have never liked him really as the doctor and watching asylum kind of bridged me a little bit and then seeing this was like cool this this is a doctor i can watch he he in, invoked so much energy of you, you know you saw little snippets of of other personalities and you 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 finally get to see the dark and the light in the same episode so to speak which is very reminiscent of uh, David Tennant in a way where um, I think he played that way a lot, and that's what I, you know, I, I adore David Tennant's Doctor of, of the new series. Um, so it was nice to see that. Absolutely love uh, the emphasis on Rory um, as kind of the main companion to the Doctor in this one. Um, really, really enjoyed uh, the Rory and his dad. Stuff. that was that was really really cool um and uh j just the whole thing it was it was just a great fun episode uh five groans it's a five for me loved it <laughs> very good well thank you davros and i always appreciate your feedback um it it, it was a fun story and um uh, any other further comments before we we wrap up no, I think so. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, I, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Asylum is uh, when I popped on BBC America last night, uh, right before they showed uh, the new episode, they said that uh, they were thanking the audience, kind of a kind of an ad thing, and said that uh, Asylum of the Daleks was the number one, like highest uh, tune-in or ratings that they've gotten from uh, any any show premiere that they've done since bbca has been on on air oh that's so fantastic that was, that was amazing that, i uh, i know i had yeah, gotten the overnights from the bbc the from asylum and they, i think they were uh fairly good too if i recall correctly i i was gonna um i know i bookmarked um, it somewhere i think there were, were 5.5 million but um it was up against uh, last night of the proms not last night was it no it was up against it was up against something else I think it was 5.5 five, five million, mm -hmm. but that would swell to over 8 million uh, because there's an awful lot of people now that, uh, you know, uh, if there's two programs on, they may well record that too, not because they think it's their second choice of viewing, but whatever they're watching, they may only want to watch once. They know the Doctor Who, will, they'll probably want to watch two or three times. So they're more likely to record that. That's what I do. Uh, if, if Got Two and something else is on, well, actually, I watch it and record it, but there you go. Yeah, I, I noticed here in the States that... Yeah, I'm, I'm geeky like that, too. That the the, the following, the, the there's more... There just seems to be, you know, it just seems to be growing more and more in the States where um, it's just becoming more and more mainstream. We had... Um, you know, uh, Doctor Who in as in New York City on subway. You know, posters on on the sides of um, 
on, on bus stops and buses themselves. And I had posted some, in you know, some doctor um, reference posters in train, um, you know, on board the Long Island Railroad and stuff like that, which is really uh, stuff that and, and oh, well, the the premieres in New York, they the the fiascos that they turned out to be. I'm not trying to be. Um, negative with the BBC America, but just the the tremendous amount of people that had tried to get tickets to to get to them, and and um, and then in the past the lines around the block, you know, it's just uh, it's it's a whole new Doctor Who compared right. to uh, to the classic series. It is, and I say rock on to it because yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm glad that future children don't have to go through what I went through of pretending to play doctor on the playground and nobody have any clue what I'm doing and feeling so alone. <laughs> and now, now future children will have many, plenty of playmates because everybody will know what they're pretending to be. Yeah, right. right. Uh, Doctor News dot net uh, final UK rating for Salem and the Daleks. Uh, 8.33 million, 34.4 share of the audience, and the dinosaurs in the spaceship overnight ratings are 5.5 million, and it was that one that was on the same time as the uh, last night of the proms here in the UK. But um, a seven of the Daleks, 8.33 million in the UK. Yeah, and that doesn't Yay. take into account, you know, um, iTunes and. Uh, everything else, you know, uh, all... Uh, it's all just consolidated, but it, yeah. it will still be added to. I think that might... No, that might include that. Um, we have just got Jeff, who, if you just got a brief... Oh, OK. Yeah, I, I just noticed it now, uh, the seventh Doctor. OK, well, thank you once again, Davros, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us next week when we'll be viewing um, A Town Called Mercy. Take care. Thank you so much. I will certainly try. All right. Cheers. All right. Well, let's get Jeff, the AKA the Seventh Doctor, in the chat room. Welcome to Doctor Pachak, Jeff. Or I should say, welcome back. You've been on before. Thank you, Lewis. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, hi, Jeff. And uh, uh, Carl Blanche just puts in the text: final figures do not include iPlayer. So thank you for that information. Oh yeah, that's very true. Um, I think you were thinking of the X Factor that uh, was on ITV One last night, that uh, was on at the same time as Doctor Who. That took a lot that. of ratings away. Never, never mind that. Nicola, Nicola, uh, Nicola Benedetti was playing the Brunch Violin Concerto on last night. The problems that wipes anything else like X Factor out. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. I guess they had eight eight point two million watching the X Factor last night, so that took some ratings away from Doctor Who. Like you said, they probably did record it though. Right. I I did enjoy this episode quite a bit. It was a fun romp. Um it was great to see Rory's dad on. I thought the the interplay between the two characters was was amazing. Uh, it was just a, a fun episode to watch just for them, those two characters and their interactions. Um, I, I didn't quite understand why uh, Brian didn't recognize the doctor or at least know who he was and what the blue box was. Um, because he was at the wedding, wasn't he? He should have been at, at the wedding. Yeah, yeah he, should, he should have been at the wedding. And, and 
as far as I can tell, uh, there was another actor playing uh, Rory's dad in The Big Bang. Mm -hmm. So at, at the wedding. So I don't know why he didn't recognize it. I think that's just a, a big uh, a plot hole, yeah. continuity problem. Yes. Um, I, I thought it was great to have a a realistic villain that was just very evil. He didn't have any problems with uh, shooting people, killing dinosaurs, killing Solarians. Uh, it was something we haven't seen in Doctor Who in a while, and it was good to see somebody like that. And, and, and um, he was just doing for I, selfish I, 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 means too. He wasn't. It wasn't. He wasn't trying to take over the world, or it wasn't. It wasn't anything grandiose. He just was out for profit. You know. Exactly, a little bit like a Ferengi from Star Trek. It was a bit like that chap who, who stole data, wasn't he? Oh, that. that's another good comparison, Dave. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I know, can't Ian either. Ian Spend is in Warehouse 13 now, but he, he played the uh, the guest merchant on one of the the uh, next generation episodes. Yeah. I, I like his character on Warehouse 13, uh, the grumpy Artie, but uh, that's that's getting off the track there a little bit. But um, I, I, I wish they could find a different uh, uh, beachfront uh, <laughs> location to film at. Uh, this is the fourth time we've had that location, uh, twice as Bad Wolf Bay, and uh, then once in the Angel story, and now, now in this latest story. Um, you think with England being uh, surrounded by water, they could find some other beach area to film that. <laughs> uh, I, that that's kind of a minor quibble, but uh, you know, especially since such an important piece of Doctor Who history took place on that mm -hmm. beach, you would think they would find a different location. Um, Maybe they're hoping it wouldn't be recognized. You, you meant. Well, it was recognized by a lot of people. Maybe not the average viewer, but uh, a lot of people did recognize it as fans. Um, oh, you mentioned that uh, the doctor isn't known anymore. You know, he wasn't in this database of valuable things. Uh, but this, the Indian Space Agency knows of him. Why is that? Uh, did, did he have some prior meeting with them, and they think you know, he's still alive? Or I, I didn't quite understand that uh, it wasn't consistent through the story. And it's interesting that they they called him up and said, you know, we have this this uh, situation going on, and they had to rely on him to go up to the ship to to investigate. You, you would think in the is it the 23rd century? 24th century, yeah. 24th century, that they would have some sort of spacecraft that could get up to the, the ship. It wasn't that far away from Earth. Uh, and also what's interesting is that... I think they had some problems. I, I just want to make a point that in Asylum of the Daleks, yeah. it starts the same way, where the Doctor is called by this sleeper cell Dalek uh, humanoid form, whatever. But again, he, you know, he makes it a point, you know, you called me, not many people can do that. How, you know, so he, again, just another similarity that both these stories start with the doctor being called to, you know, 
So uh, evidently the Daleks can call the doctor as well. Well, that, that was one of my minor quibbles with that story is he went to Scarrow and was captured too easily. You know, he got called there, and he, he didn't take any real precautions. He didn't uh, materialize the TARDIS around the woman so that he could be protected from from any mm-hmm. Daleks or whatever uh, danger that could be there uh, by being inside of the TARDIS the whole time. Uh, so that was my one of my big problems with, with that story, and I didn't have many with, with Asylum. I, I quite enjoyed that, and I'm Sorry, I missed that part of the show today. I think it was you, Jeff, was it? When we had the Christmas episode where uh, they asked how could they get in touch with the doctor, he says something like, make a wish that easily works. Will it work for me or something? Yeah, and that's, I don't think that's the first time he said something like that. Uh, didn't he say that in one of the episodes last fall? Um, yes. Night Terrors, I think, was the one he said that in. Well, he kind of got uh, got the message through the psychic paper, you know, beginning of that story, because there was a, a child that was scared. So, yeah, in some ways it's very easy to get a hold of him, even though he said it was very difficult. But this was a fun romp. I, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit, and I'm uh, looking forward to next week. Did you give a rating for the two? Uh, for for Asylum, I I give it a four point five out of five, and uh, this week I give it a three point five. Okay, I think I'm probably a three three and a half for Asylum, and probably three for Tadarits uh, for the spaceship one. I'm going to give um, Asylum uh, a three and a half. Um, if if they had some a couple changes that I had mentioned, uh, you know, uh, maybe not the eye stalks growing out of the people's faces, and uh, it, it could easily go up to a four, perhaps. But uh, there were just a couple things that that also, if I didn't, and I don't think there was anything that they could have done to make it different. But I, I just I had you know I had um, jumped to the conclusion about uh, that that she was going to be a, a Dalek. Um, I didn't know she was going to be a full-fledged Dalek, but maybe one of those Dalek humanoid forms. And I knew that from the beginning going into it. And I didn't hear, you know, it wasn't like a spoiler or anything like that. But I, I made that connection right away. So if I had that big reveal at the end, if that was, a, maybe I would have, I would give it a four. Um, and, and then as far as this story goes, um, I'm going to give it a three out of five, um, Tardis Groans. It's just a fun story, but it's not something that... Um, that I really, really enjoyed, but it's 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 like filler material, and um, I enjoy it for what it is. And I might it might go up the next time I watch it. I enjoyed it the second time around more than the first. Mm. I, li- I like the the final. Well, not the final shot, but the uh, the, the scene where his <clears throat> Rory's father is gazing at the earth. That's the request he makes of the doctor. You can imagine Wilf would have made that same request. Yeah, I was thinking Wolf as well. I mean, he came to mind as well. Well, I just run to remind... That was quite a shot, with yeah. the way they filmed it. Well, it also uh, goes back to uh, um, Amy Pond. Uh, you know, she was um, dangling at the TARDIS, you know, when she came aboard as well, I think on the second episode. Well, the beast below is the one where 
she's being held at arm's length outside the Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Right. Well, I want to thank you, Jeff, and I always appreciate your your take on things. Well, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, I just want to remind those that... Uh, okay, hold What? I'm sorry? I was going to say, hopefully, ne next week we're, we're not trying to crush two episodes into one. No, so no. Well, unfortunately, I had... Missed out a very important point. I had a conflict with the schedule um, for last Sunday, so I couldn't do the show. Um, and I, um, I was already committed to something else, so... Um, we couldn't. Uh, that's why we're doing it too in this one. But I re want to remind uh, listeners that they can call into the Pachak Public Call Box at two zero six nine eight four three five four three, and uh, you know they can leave their their feedback as well. Uh, you know as far as how they felt about these episodes. I know we got a couple calls already, but uh, we're not going to do those in the live show. Uh, we'll get some studio shows out as well. And um, and we'll be back next week with um, our review of the next episode, which I believe is a, a town called Mercy, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And Dave, I want to thank you so much. Once again, you can listen to Dave on the Cultum Collective, and that's also on TalkShoe, uh, available on iTunes. And they review Dot 2 as well as others. They talk about other science fiction and do commentaries. And um, so that's the Cultum Collective. Yeah, and after nine hours of doing Doctor Who today, I might be doing a commentary <laughs> later on. All right, well, we're going to wrap things up here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Sorry for the technical difficulties at the beginning. And um, so, so long, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. You will save the Daleks.